shop with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. Cousy. Mm, How are what you? Are? Got? Hey, I'm well, great. Well, great to be know. here. You are here. You, you said to me, though, I'm, I'm going to start with something that I just thought of. So not on mm. the run sheet. You're going to improv me. Yep. What do we got? Well, you know, there's so much AI these days um, that's tuned into uh, voice mirroring. I just wanted the people to know you were here and that I'm you were here. reacting live and, you know, that it was a bit more improv than usual. This from, is the from real my me. Side. Okay, so there's a thing that I cannot walk past in the supermarket ever without mm-hmm. purchasing. And that, my friend, is a packet of shapes. It's a box of good old-fashioned shapes. I want to say good old-fashioned Australian shapes, but yeah. I don't even know if they're owned by uh, Australians anymore. Are they Arnott's? Maybe. I don't know. Arnott's? Anyway, I want to know from you, let's just say you you probably have the ability to be able to walk past the shelf, unlike myself, but let's just say you put your, put your uh, feet in my shoes, you can't walk past... What flavour are you buying? Of, of shapes or? Yeah, yeah. Nah, shapes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm barbecue every day. Yeah, same. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yep. Then pizza. Wow. I, I couldn't agree more. Yep. Wow. And Whoa. then And then I'd probably be plain. I don't really like the cheesy sort of cheddar ones that. What colour's plain? Blue? Blue, Yeah. Blue. So what do you got? Yeah, green green like barbecue, purple pizza, blue, yeah. plain, and then yellow, the, the cheese. And then uh, is there an pink, orange pink. one these days as well? Pip. The pink one, which is bacon. Chicken. Uh, yeah, no, not a, a chicken. Not chicken, a chicken. No. Not a chicken. No. Variety. Mm. Person, yeah. And, and there's the new flavours, obviously. you got the classics and the new. Yes. Um, the new, I don't mind the Vegemite ones. Actually, my brother and I love the Vegemite ones. But still, probably third to barbecue and pizza. Barbecue, it's just like an unreal, unreal blend of spices. <laughs> Flavor you can see. Flavor you can see. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I have a lot to say about that. Thanks, JB, for weighing in. By the way, what's your one, two, three? Oh, how do you eat them? Shapes? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> put the flavor on the downside so it touches the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> now, like when you get That's a barbecue quite, shape, they always so go funny. in. The, I always, oh, I always pick them up funny. and position them such that the flavour is on the bottom side when I, I when I eat it. God, no, I do exactly the same thing. I just can't believe you're saying that. Here I am thinking I'm unique. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I get we had similar childhoods, but that's freaky. Um, yeah. But sorry, I did, no, JB. I, I, I see a lot of people eat them with the flavour facing up and I think, what are they doing? It's wasted flavour. It's wasted flavour. But J, JB, it's sorry. The roof just, of your just, mouth. J, JB's weighed in there because he obviously he feels a shape. Yeah, <laughs> what, what's your colour? What's your colour? <laughs> what's your colour? <laughs> uh, e- easily the barbecue, barbecue, then pizza, but it's it's a tight wow. race. It's a very tight race. It is, um, it is, yeah. Yeah, and then, look, I'll, I'll I'll take the chicken ones because they're usually spares in the pack, so I'll, I'll go down <laughs> third. Like, the, there's a, there's a not, couple of those left over yeah. by the time I finish the, the barbecue and pizza ones. Uh, but I'm with, I'm with James. I, I treat those things like like a hard candy. <laughs> they just sit in my mouth for a little while just so I can fully, fully <laughs> absorb the flavour. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but... If I look, if 
If anyone from the Shapes Factory is listening, I mean, the flavor, <laughs> the flavor's a little like it's a little amiss these days. I I pull the barbecue ones out, and I sometimes put to the side the ones that don't have a lot of flavor. Mate, on me them. too, me too. Or I, I let someone, go, I let I'm someone else. I'm not wasting the calories. I let on, someone on else flavorless take. Shape. Let someone else take the first handful too, because the the, the top part of the box. No. Oh, you got to give him. You got to give him a good shake. You got It's it's like yeah. milk. Like you got to give it a good shake before you uh, yeah. before you serve them up. But 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 I worry about shaking the flavor off and then just putting it all at the bottom of the bag. You know, that's oh, a little which, treat for last. Which, by the way, how good's the bottom of the bag when you yeah. get to all the flavor? Unreal. <laughs> anyway. Well, if you're still listening, we we do have a bit to uh, cover in this podcast. So stay with us. <laughs> Okay, big uh, big question. When is the right time to buy? Am oh. I buying at the right time in the market? They're really common questions uh, and a lot of people I think probably don't fully understand the way that housing markets work and, and how they, well, what's often referred to as a cycle because they do, they yes. cycle. They have periods of going up in value, periods of maybe flatlining in some areas, maybe even coming down. Um, you know, and, and then and then periods of then going again at the other end of the cycle. So I thought maybe we'd spend some time unpacking what a house cycle is and, and how the housing cycles work in Australia uh, and in the property markets. How would you describe it? Uh, let's start there. How would you describe the way that a housing cycle works? Holy days. Well, I'll, I'll start by saying this. Uh the median house price grows or has grown on average by about 9% per annum for the last 40, 50 years or whatever, right? But if we look at in chunks of 10-year periods, you'll actually see two or three years of significant double-digit growth. So and more then, than 10%. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. And then you'll see sort of like a bit of a bump along you know, it's maybe something a little bit more inconsistent or you might have sort of a couple of percents here or, you know, it'll sort of it'll sort of bump along for the next six to seven years. So you have cycles that go in two to three years um, but at a sort of w- within a 10-year period. And, and what we've seen historically in Australia is that our capital cities cycle at different times. So they go through their growth spurts typically not alongside each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I guess you'll put a bit more numbers to this, but in really simple terms, we usually see Sydney go through a, a bit of a cycle over two or three years, followed a couple of years after that by Melbourne. Yes, people sort of chase affordability, don't they? And then a couple of years after that, Brisbane, uh, then Adelaide, and then usually at a, at a completely other time, opposite, not unlike its position in Australia on the West Coast, we see Perth at a completely different time again. You know, you sort of see people chasing affordability based on where's cheaper and, and whatnot and, and, of course, jobs and, and where the infrastructure is going. That is the simplest way I would define a, a cycle or what the cycles in Australia look like in our housing markets. Yeah, so, and and I guess flowing on from that, the last time that we saw a full cycle was at the start of the 2000s. So you, you had, um, you know, from 97 onwards, Sydney and um, and then Melbourne took off. So Melbourne follows Sydney not far after. 
And then the smaller markets kick in, the Brisbane and the Adelaide. So sort of 97 to 0102, we saw Sydney, Melbourne have a big run. Um, Brisbane and Adelaide were flat for those periods. And then Brisbane and Adelaide took over from 03 through to 07, while Sydney and Melbourne had, I guess you'd call it a breather, where they just bumped along. Um, And then we saw more recently, you know, four or five year stretch of, of most markets flat and then after the financial crisis in 2009-10, we saw another run for for Sydney, followed by Melbourne, and then and then really we're sort of at that point where we were just before the pandemic, we were starting to see the smaller capital cities mm. like your Brisbane and Adelaide take off, and then in the pandemic, every capital city took off, including it, Sydney yeah. more than any other capital city. So we're sort of now at a point I think where where we're back to where um, we were before the pandemic, which is those capital cities probably having more solid and um, I guess you, you call it sustainable growth over the the, the short, medium term. Mm. Um, and I think going back like a couple of episodes, it sort of follows the population trends, doesn't it, where where you see that the bigger capital cities go first because they get this wave of overseas migration. Yeah. And then as those big cities become more populated, we start to see people leave the bigger cities for the smaller mm. cities, chasing affordability uh, and, and lifestyle, maybe a little bit less congestion, so so quality of life. Uh, and then and then the cycle repeats again. It just keeps going over and, and over again. It, it really, history is the best barometer for future performance in, in a lot of senses when it comes to investment, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, and look, I mean, I'd sort of look at Brisbane and, and Adelaide and, and they're the best examples of, I guess, cities that have been considered relatively, yeah, very affordable compared to your your city, 1.4 million median house price, very high, very competitive market, really tough. Um, also for renters, you know, so it's not just buying, but also renting. Yeah. Um, you know, Melbourne, you know, quite expensive to buy. Um, rent actually relatively cheap at Brisbane. I mean, you've got affordability and, and lifestyle and um, Adelaide's very much the same there too. So, yeah, cycles are, are interesting because you talk about housing cycles, but, you know, all, there's also like our life cycles, you know, like what we want in our lives at that time or what people are sort of chasing at that time. You now they want to be um, in an affordable area or they're really going for that lifestyle. So things just, just sort of cycle. And rents, rents and values operate, you know, not to confuse everyone, but rents and values operate on different cycles. Typically when values <laughs> yeah. go up, rents aren't increasing and when values aren't going up, rents are increasing. So, um, you know, there, there's a few things to consider. I, I think, you know, can you pick the cycle? Not really. Um, no. What I think is a really solid um, strategy though when it comes to investing, particularly in property, is try and get in more than one market so that you give yourself the opportunity to experience cycles at different times. You know, mm. you think, you know, if, if you're in just Sydney, for example, you, you'll just see the growth for two or three years that you see in Sydney. You'll just see the rental growth in, in a period that follows. Whereas mm. if you're in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Adelaide, you, you might see growth seven or eight years out of every 10-year period. And where you've got properties growing in value, you might have other properties growing in rent. So it really counterbalances what you're trying to do. Exactly. We speak to Jenny in in our office here. She's been with us for 16 years. She's got 10 properties and she says, you know, she's sort of um, transitioning to retirement and she's looked at her portfolio and she's gone, all right, well, you know, God, 
if, if I had to sell, I don't know what I would sell because, you know, some properties or, or the properties that have had sensational growth and tons of equity got barely anything going on the rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over on the other properties that have probably had, you know, s- still solid growth in that time, um, but, but not as, as good have got really, uh, positively geared rental income. So it's, it is just, you know, that's the, and that's the idea of a portfolio, right? You're not just sort of mm. like looking at one property, relying on that property, um, but you always got something growing at some point. Bit of diversity. Um, well, that's housing cycles explained as best we can. Step, step fact. The stat man. Step fact. Very popular segment is back yet again. Uh, it's been a few episodes since we've had the stat fact, isn't it? I know. I feel bad. Ne- we've neglected the stat fact. I like this one though. I don't think it's getting enough airtime at the moment. Still got people that are a little bit down on what's happening in the property markets. Uh, however, stat reading, fact, they're reading all the bloody negative news. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stat fact is this: thirty percent of all suburbs in Australia today are growing by more than one percent per month. That's a lot. That's double-digit growth going back to our previous uh, segment just there on housing cycles. So 30% of all suburbs in Australia are having a growth cycle at the moment. You wouldn't know about it, though. Um, you know, it's it's certainly not getting a lot of airtime. That's a very good start, Pat. Kels? Well, thank you. All right, let's talk about reasons not to buy a property. Oh, and interesting I want- take on things. I want to go with our top three. Now we've each got reasons, but we'll um, we'll go one for one, and then whoever does best can have the third one. Uh, give me <laughs> give me your number what? one. Give me your number one reason why you wouldn't buy a property. Because the tree out front is gorgeous. I've so heard someone say that before. The frangipani tree out the front is gorgeous. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So sorry. maybe not, a, not a, you know, without purely a, based on aesthetics is probably my answer there. Purely based on aesthetics, unless <laughs> unless you've got data that suggests that frangipani trees out the front of properties correlate with a high higher than normal growth rate, <laughs> mind you. <laughs> I haven't well, come the, across that data. Yeah, doesn't oh, say. Oh. That it doesn't exist, though. I'll, I'll tell you what probably has a higher than normal growth rate: the um, the roots going into the bottom of the house, <laughs> <laughs> the growth rate of your expenses. Maybe. Um, no, sorry. Well, I, I wanted to say. I mean, look, that is actually one. I'm going to put that out there purely based on aesthetics. Mm-hmm. People do buy things because they're beautiful, or like mm. because the the fit out is sensational, or or whatever, which is completely emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we're, we're talking about three reasons not to buy an investment property, right? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, investment let's property. say an investment property yeah. in this so, context. So, so my answer is purely based on aesthetics. You know, when people say, oh, my God, the marble in this place is to die for. There's Fisher and Paykel appliances, so on and so forth, you know. Okay, mm. yeah, those things are nice, but maybe savor them for uh, for your own home and not an investment property. Because those things cost money, and uh, aesthetics doesn't really doesn't really speak to cash flow or growth. So there you go. There's my first answer. Out the gates. All right, I'm going to go with a bargain, and and I know this sounds Ooh. bizarre, 
but I've never seen a bargain work out for anyone. <laughs> a bargain has always has always translated to a problem. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, <laughs> it's almost like if it seems too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. If you feel yeah. like you're getting it for a steal, it's because you don't know about a problem that exists, uh, you know, and, and I think the common one is, you know, really cheap property that that does have mm. hidden expenses, you know, things that need repairing or things that break or, you know, um, cash flow issue, you know, like I remember someone, uh, a good friend of mine bought a, a unit many years ago, mm. said it was an absolute bargain and what he didn't realise is that the the property had some structural issues, so the the sinking fund repayments no, no. were like three or four hundred bucks a month. No. So it was just costing him an arm and a leg to hold uh, the property. Didn't didn't do his due diligence, um, you know. So look, I, I think a bargain, uh, you know, is is a bit of a mm. false pretense, a false economy when it comes yeah. to property investing. And some great advice that uh, you know, and, and uh, actually a, a you know. A property developer once gave me, uh, who who I guess you know is, is now a friend, is you're better off paying a fair price for a good property than a good pr- price for a fair property. Mm. Well, good, I agree fair with price, that. good property over yeah. good price, fair property. Yeah. Oh, and just bargains. Like I, I like. I mean, we all love a bargain. Let's let's face that. Um, but you know, yeah, it could be cash flow, cash flow issues, it'll, you know, really hurt you. Um, so I agree with that sentiment. Well, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're you can trying have to make the casting this... vote. I liked your okay. friend Japani. It was a little bit more funny than mine. I didn't have a joke in mine. <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't, it wasn't really meant to be a joke, but you know, someone has said that to me before. Um, okay. I think, I think the third one is, and, and look, you know, we're, these are sort of, it is a bit hard to identify why not to buy a property because there's a lot of things, but I mean, mm. ultimately, if you've done your research, sometimes that can can outdo everything. But controversially, because I'm going to go with the third reason not to buy a property is just because you know the suburb and a lot Good of people, or you, can, or you can drive past the property. How many times have you heard, or we've all heard of barbecues, yeah, yeah, I live, I live in, you know, I live in this suburb. So I bought an investment property five streets away. I know it's a great suburb. I can drive past it every week. I can see. It's like, well, yeah. Um, a couple of things. I mean, one is that you're you're double investing in one suburb, so mm. you're not really sort of spreading your risk, mm. are you? And and I think everybody thinks where they live, or most people would think where they live is is a pretty good suburb. Um, so it's not to say that it, it won't perform, um, but also back to what we talked about with cycles earlier, um, you're only riding one cycle and you've got two properties over two assets. Yeah. Because that's not very effective, is it? It's not, it's not to say because that you could buy a secondary property in the same state that you're in, but it's in a completely different area, completely different corridor or, or somewhere that's experiencing much faster population growth or, or job growth to, to where you live. So that, that would be my, my third reason. Valid uh, point. And I, 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 there, there was some data getting around from the ATO a while back that roughly a third of property investors buy within, I think, 5 or 10Ks from where they live. So yeah, it is, it's very common to do. Uh, and look, your suburb might be a great place to invest, uh, but it shouldn't be your sole reason, the comfortability and familiarity with the suburb. Yeah. You want to make sure it's backed by some data and, and obviously, the, the, you know, to your point, is it the best place that you could invest? Because ultimately, that you know, what's the opportunity cost um, of that familiarity and, and comfortability? 
This is true. There you go. Three reasons not to buy a property. Not to buy. We fitted a lot into this episode. I I thought maybe we'd try and uh, do a slightly shorter episode. Last episode was a bit long, but uh, not that we, not that we have, mind you, not that we have a time limit. We can go as long as we want. That's the benefit of having your own podcast. We run this radio. Your own buddies. You know, okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. producer Jordan probably says, you know, wouldn't mind it being a bit shorter, guys. Give me a bit <laughs> less work. He's like, I've got about a bazillion other things to do. But like I said, this is our radio. If you don't like it, I don't want to hear about it. Don't write in, listeners. Um, and, and just on that, we have been getting a few people write in wanting us to cover certain topics. We love getting that. Um, so, Helps. guys, our emails always in the show notes, alexf, jamesf at jlf.com. .au, hit us up with any suggestions, things that you might be seeing out there that you want us to talk to. Mm. That is an awesome place for us to start planning uh, an episode. So we we love getting all that and we have been getting a bit very recently. I just like knowing who's listening, Kels. Well, that too, yeah. Mm. Even just send us a, an email saying hello. That'd Hi. be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to laugh so hard if we get one of those. Hi. <laughs> I'm going to love it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.